Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is not always what it seems. Most of the time we wear masks, masks that hide reality, masks that protect, masks that lie, masks that make things look better than they really are. We use masks to become other people, an elaborate masquerade. We're finishing up our week of prayer and fasting. Uh, and you see on the stage right here, I'll try not to step on them. These are the cards that were filled out by the people who were here last week. And we came in every morning at 630. We were also here Monday night. Uh, and we've prayed over every one of these cards multiple times. We put a check mark on it each time we prayed for it. Some of them, it's hard to find a place to put a check mark anymore. That's cool. People prayed for you that much this week. And we were fasting and asking God to come and move on, on behalf of things that we needed individually, as well as something that we needed as a family. And so if you were not here last week, you need to go and check that out online. I'm not going to go back and repeat it, but it's a very big deal. Something very big is coming up in the future of Grace Life, and we need God to move and to make something happen. And I am going to leave you hanging just like that. That's your season finale. Go to the internet, figure out what happened. All right, there you go. Uh, just a couple of cool things. I've been so blessed uh, to be a part of our week of prayer and fasting this past week. Because, you know, I, I stood up here last week and told you why we should pray and why we should fast and why we do this twice a year. And then I even said, this is something we need to do as a family. And then when I turned around and started walking, I looked back and Grace Life was with me. There is nothing cooler than not being by yourself when it comes to being a family. I am so honored to be a part of this family and the way you guys did this. Matter of fact, I, was, I came in, I think it was Thursday morning or Friday morning, I can't remember which, but I was talking to one of the guys who has not missed a single time all week, came in every single time we were praying and, and he really needed God to do something in his personal life. And so he said, you know, I, I'm just having the greatest time with God. He's just been doing something in my life and, and I haven't touched food since Sunday when you preached and I stopped, what? what? Because I know what he does for a living. He works outdoors. I won't tell you what, because I'm not going to you know, expose him in here. But he works outdoors. It's been 95 to 100 degree heat. Physical labor all week long. He's had nothing but water. And he said, it's all God, man, because I'm not even hungry. I'm not even tired. But I'm telling you what, God is meeting me. It is awesome. It is, there's just great stories from why we fast and why we seek God. And now you may laugh at me, but I'm going to share with you just another simple little thing to show you that the big God in heaven that you think doesn't pay attention to details, this is how cool our big God in heaven is and cares about the individual things. One of the, the guys in the church came up to me yesterday and, and uh, he said, I've, he was at the prayer meeting, he said, I've got a gift for you when prayer and fasting's over. I said, awesome, what is it? And he said, it's a pint of barbecue from Lexington Barbecue. What? Let me correct all of you guys who think I'm talking about that county next door. No, no, no. There's a place in North Carolina called Lexington, the city of Lexington. There you go. We get, we get some people figured out. Lexington Barbecue made the Travel Channel top 10 places to eat barbecue in our country. I used to live in North Carolina. It's my favorite. And if I get within two hours of it, I detour. I don't care what time of day it is. <laughs> I have literally left conferences where they serve lunch and send you out the door. I go right from lunch to my detour to Lexington Barbecue to have barbecue. And, and I looked at him and just said, how did you know this was like my favorite barbecue anywhere? He said, I didn't, just, just wanted to bless you. So, I mean, here I am fasting and God's gift to me when I break this fast it's frozen, just so you know, is a pint of Lexington barbecue. Come on, somebody. God loves the little stuff. 
All right, so we're kicking off a new series today called Masquerade. Here's a question for you. How many of you have been to a masquerade party? I got that response last service, too. We got, we got to get out down in the south a little bit more. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate it for us rednecks down here. How many of you have been to a Halloween party? All right, there we go. A little bit more response. Put on a costume, dress up as somebody else, and you can't figure out who it is. Okay, seriously, some people are actually really good at this. You know, some people buy the, you know, Walmart, and, and the mask only goes this far. You're not fooling me. I know who you are, Bob. What you doing there, Bob? All right, but then some people are really, really good, okay? And you've ever been around those people, and for a while, you actually think that they are the jack-o'-lantern beside the bush. You're there for 10 minutes before you figure out that is not a pumpkin. That's a dude's head. How did he do that, right? And then other people, or they can disguise their voice and all kinds of things. And you go through this party, you're like, man, I had no idea that was you. And translate, real life. You ever been around those people that are so fake? They're wearing some sort of a mask, trying to be somebody they're not. And it is exhausting to try to be their friend because you just can't get to know the real them. Or how about somebody that no matter how long you've known them, you just can't get in. Like you've been to their house, you've had dinner multiple times, you go out to lunch with them at work, you talk all the time, but it's literally as though you just met them. There is nothing deep. Or how about the people that think they're good and they tell you they're good? Hey man, how you doing? Oh man, I am doing awesome. They're not doing awesome. You know they're filing for bankruptcy. You know that, the, the, that he's sleeping on the couch. I mean, and you know they're not good. Here's the question. What do these people have in common? Mask. They're wearing masks. Masks that they think will hide them from something. They, they think will actually hide the real them because they don't like the real them. Or masks that will hide the pain. Or masks that will protect them from the pain or experiencing more of it. That's really what they're going for. Here's the real question. How about you? What mask do you wear? Do you even know? Do you know why you wear them? Do you know what happened? And the most important question, do you know how to get rid of them? That's why we're doing this. That's what this series is all about. We're going to talk about this idea of removing the mask, actually being the real people God intended for you to be, that you no longer have to act like you've got it all together, you've got it all figured out, or you are doing just fine when you are not just fine. And so we're going to talk about something today. It's really the introduction for the series. And so today's message I'm calling The Great Masquerade. Because there was a beginning to this. There was a time when humanity said, we need to wear masks, otherwise we can't function. And I want to show it to you in scripture. This is not a psychology sort of thing. This is not a make-believe sort of thing. This is real out of history. And so if you will, turn with me to Genesis 3 if you've got your Bibles. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And while you're turning, I'm going to give you the real quick disclaimer that I know when anyone preaches... And they say, turn with me to Genesis. There's an immediate wall that goes up for a few people. Because some people have a hard time believing the world was created in six days or, or whatever. Look, I, I just need you to understand something. Although I know where I stand on that, I, we don't have to agree on that for you to hear what I'm saying today. Okay, that's Genesis 1 and 2. I'll preach on that another day. Right now I want to talk to you about something that did happen. And matter of fact, if it didn't happen, you and I are in a whole lot of trouble. Because this is where the trouble began that Jesus set us free from. And so if this isn't real, then Jesus didn't set us free. But that's, that, was, that was for free. Did y'all follow that? 
Genesis 3 is real. So turn with me, and here's what's going on. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. So I'm going to real quickly give you the backstory in case this is new for you and you're not real sure what's going on, and also so I don't have to read so much. So this is Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. God has told them what they can do, and he's told them there's only one thing I don't want you to do. And there's a lot of reason for that, but I will get distracted and go 30 minutes over if I try to answer that question. So you come back another Sunday for that one. And so what has happened, of course, is that Satan has shown up. Evil has come in and entered and tried to disrupt humanity's relationship with God. And so he comes to them and he starts by lying about God's nature and his character. And he lies about what God says and he confuses Eve. And, and we don't know, Adam evidently just was just not doing a very good job of leading his wife at that point in time. And, and so Eve says, well, sounds good to me. I mean, confused or whatever the story is and, and, and deceived as, as scripture tells us. And so she takes the fruit. Everybody always thinks is an apple. We don't really know, but it gets painted in the picture as an apple. And so she takes the fruit. They eat of the fruit. And this is where we pick up the story in verse seven. And it says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That's something you don't say often. That's another word for underwear. The first pair of Fruit of the Looms was fashioned right here. Fruit of the Loom, actually kind of maybe a biblical company. They didn't want to do just the apple. They put all the little fruits there together. It didn't matter which one it was. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is the documented beginning of the great masquerade. It's where we can go back and point so many of our problems back to this very single moment. The first mask that humans ever wore were put on at this point in time. And the human condition for you and I from then on has been to put on a mask, to either hide ourselves or to do something else as we'll see. So let's start with this whole thing where he said that their eyes were open and they knew where they were naked. Have you ever read that and just kind of thought about that for a second? Their eyes were open. Okay, they weren't blind. They weren't walking around bumping into trees in case you were wondering. They, they knew all along. They, they weren't surprised at what it looked like to be who they were. The, the reality was that they just never knew there was anything different about it. It was the way they were created. They didn't know there was anything supposed to be closed. Anybody ever had like a two-year-old? You know what I'm talking about. We've had those kids where we're having a dinner party and it's time for them to go to bed. So one of the parents kind of gives them a little bath or whatever and you tell them to get dressed and get in bed. And the next thing you know, you're sitting in your living room and, and, and a naked kid streaks through the living room. It's not that they don't know they're naked. They just don't know what naked is. They, they, they don't care. And, and that really should have been Adam and Eve's response was when they, their eyes were open, meaning their perspective changed their spiritual eyes came to a different perspective than it had been in before. What they should have said is, hey, we're naked. Who cares? I mean, really, that should have been the thought. Uh, we've been this way since day one. God made us this way. Why should we care? But that's the response of someone who's clean. And they weren't. And so what really the if we wanted to word it correctly and, and, and put it in a way that's real pointed, their eyes were opened and they knew they were no longer clean. That was what the revelation was. Being naked is not exactly the problem. It, it wasn't the problem at all. It was that once they began to see the reality there, they weren't clean and they knew it. And we have a word for that. It's called guilt. 
And I've heard Christians mess this up all along. I'm going to try to set it right, if you'll allow me. I've, I've heard all kinds of cliches about guilt, and people will tell you this or whatever. I've heard people say, guilt is not from God. You ever heard that? That's a lie. Guilt is from God. And guilt is... actually had some heads just when I did... Guilt is from God, and guilt is a gift. I want you to think about this. Here is what God intended. If his children, for whatever reason, were to ever go astray, how would they know to come back? How would they know that they're headed down a wrong path? How would they know that they need to turn? It's called guilt. And this whole understanding of guilt is supposed to be a godly thing that makes the children of God come back to God and say, I think I messed up. But the problem is that Adam and Eve didn't operate correctly with their guilt. They didn't know what to do with it. They actually kind of panicked a little bit. They weren't clean. They knew they weren't clean. Matter of fact, they actually thought something was wrong with them. Their eyes were open and said, not only are we guilty, but... There's something seriously wrong with us. We don't want to be us. We don't want to be like us. We need to cover up us. We need to try to change who we are. We need to hide behind something, whatever we can do. And so, verse 9 says, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, if you read this and you're wondering, by the way, God didn't. He wasn't confused and God wasn't lost. God knew exactly where they were. He's, he's revealing how he interacts with man for our sake. And he says, where are you? And so then Adam said that I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Think about that. He's been naked all along. But again, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I love God's response. Who invited you to a masquerade party? Who told you you were naked and that you needed a costume? And again, God knows the answer, but this is for Adam that he's doing this. You see the first mask? They hid from God. The first mask are always hiding from God, except you can't hide from God. And so this is where it all starts to break down. God says, why are you covering up? I created you that way. I've known you that way since the beginning. And her? Seriously? I mean, she's, she's your wife. You've been with her from the beginning. And she's been with you from the beginning. Why are you covering up? Why do you think this is going to actually achieve anything? You see, naked isn't the problem. Guilt isn't the problem. Shame is the problem. You see, shame comes from guilt when you hide it. What Adam was supposed to do, because again, we all those cliches, guilt, guilt isn't from God. Yeah, guilt is actually from God. Guilt is God's gift to us to turn us back to him. The worst thing that God could have done was allow there to be a world where sin could enter it and there would not be guilt to bring us back to him. We would go astray the rest of our lives and never know it was even wrong. But what God did not intend for us was for us to try and manage our guilt hide it deep inside, and become covered with shame. Shame is the problem. Adam was afraid. And you know what? I think he genuinely was. 
I mean, I, I need you to process this with me. He knows stuff he's never known. He sees stuff he's never seen. He knows he's not clean, and he has absolutely no idea how in the world God is going to process this. Can you, can you just imagine, I mean, remember when you were young? And if you can't remember back that far, then that means you're old enough to have your own kids. So just imagine when they were young. <laughs> when somebody did something they weren't supposed to do, they broke something. You, you heard the, the, the glass smash in the other room, or more importantly, you didn't hear anything at all. Those are the ones you need to worry about. You didn't hear anything at all, and you walked into the kitchen, and there is chocolate cocoa powder everywhere, right? Because one of your children wanted chocolate milk when they came and asked you if they could have it, and you said no. But then when you come downstairs, now I'm just making this up because this has never happened in my home. <laughs> but then children, I mean, they try to hide like this will actually work. And you know how there's chocolate footprints all the way to the closet and you open the door and then there's a chocolate covered child. Adam actually thought he could hide from God. He tried to get away with this. Adam doesn't even know how to fix the mess. And despite the fact he doesn't know how to fix it, he tries. It's that little three or four year old kid that thinks, well... Yeah, it, did. it looks clean to me. I can go hide in the closet. Nobody will ever know. And we think it's just foolish. Like, and seriously, that's the word I said to my kid when I opened the door. Again, hypothetically. <laughs> seriously? You thought this would work? And you, you can just see God, except there's not a smile on his face. Seriously? You thought that would work? And Satan is going, yes. You see, they used to walk in the garden. They used to talk like two humans. I mean, there was God, and there was Adam, and there was Eve, and I was so angry, and I was so jealous. And they had conversations just like they didn't even know there's supposed to be division that, that I was going to bring. They, they acted like it's supposed to be this way, just talking and laughing and fellowshipping and and they had nothing, nothing was between them. They would say what they thought and they thought what they said and they laughed together and they shared together and, and it was perfect. And, but now, now there's a wedge. Now Adam's afraid to show himself. He's afraid to be who God made him to be. He's putting on a mask. He's covering himself up. This is beautiful. Shame. Our mask always began with God because we, we take our guilt and we, we try to manage it and we try to hide it, the mask or simply us covering our guilt and it turns into shame. But they never work. And it becomes a cycle. It starts with the first. But then that causes us to be so filled with shame the next time that we, we do something that's outside of God's way, we feel even more guilty. And now we're even less likely to go to God because we know we can't go to God without talking about what just happened and what happened before. Because we know He knows. And so, well... You know, the first one's done. Have you ever watched one of those movies where, where something goes wrong, like someone's trying to rob a bank or something and something goes wrong and so they have to try to cover it up, but then to cover up, to cover up, to cover up, to cover up just gets to a point, it becomes almost comical even though it's not a comedy. And by the end, it's just a disaster. And that really is our condition with sin. Is, is we, we took the very first time, and that was Adam, and it gets blamed as he tried to hide and he gets covered with shame. And, and we're going to see in a minute, he passes it on to Eve, and it's been passed on to us, and it just goes on and on and on. And so every single time that we add a layer to our mask, our mask becomes harder and stronger to crack. It's kind of like some sort of paper mache or something. And it just gets thicker and thicker until there's a point where you really can't get beyond it 
at all. And at the end, we come to believe that God is hard. And God is punishing. And God is a judge. And if you were to remove the mask, no longer do you see it as a mask that you're hiding behind. You almost start to see it as a hockey mask. It is there because if you take it off, you will get hit so hard by that angry, punishing, judgmental God that you've got to keep it on. And you try to spend your life being good enough and acting good enough. And it'd be bad enough if we could just stop right there, but we don't. See, our masks begin there. They begin with God. But then we take our mask and they go next to those closest to us. Did you notice what Adam did right after that? So the first thing he does is, well, God, I heard you coming. I was afraid of you. I was ashamed of what I've done. I didn't even want to tell you about it. I didn't want you to fix it. So I hid from you. I covered up and I hid. And I don't ever want you to know who I am anymore. I'm going to keep that inside. And so as soon as that exchange is over and he's got a mask with God, then our mask go to those closest to us. And he turns right to Eve and he says, it's your fault. And I don't know if you can just fathom Eve at that moment. I've got a very tender wife. And so I can, I can fathom this. I don't know, maybe you know, personalities are different, but I can see Eve just immediately being crushed. You know, I mean, she's sta- you can just watch her body as she's standing there What's going on? And then Adam points at her and she just goes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, because she's thinking, I, I, who are you? You just hurt me. You've never done that. I, I don't know. I thought I knew you. And it was the first mask that became between the closest now, you don't have to be married to figure out what happens next between them, do you? It was never the same. I'm pretty sure, based on the way Adam's responded so far and what we do know about him, he didn't turn to even go, oh, Eve, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And pretty sure that they stayed in a hard heart, and then Eve, Eve had to keep up her mask. Because at this point, she's watched. They both put on masks, and they hid from God. And, and she thought it's okay because at least I've got somebody in this with me. I've got a partner in crime and, and we're here together. We're just trying to protect ourselves from, from the, 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 the judge, the, the God who's going to come and get us. But at least we're together. And as soon as God speaks to him, the first thing he does is throw her under the bus. And now there's a mask between them. And so what does she do? But She says, I, I, I don't know what to do, but, but I got to protect myself. And she throws on her mask and says, but it wasn't my fault either. It, it's not even me. And everybody starts to cover up and say, don't look at me. It's not me. And I'm going to have to protect myself now. You see, all masks come from one of two things. Every mask you wear in your life, they started right here. You either wear a mask to hide or you wear a mask to protect. Because people hurt us. They both started out hiding. And then Eve started out with, I've got to protect myself. I don't know what God is going to do. I mean, he told us not to do I, don't, I have no idea. We've never violated his word. I have no idea. I need to protect myself. I don't know what he's going to do. But you, I know what you're going to do. I can't believe you just did that. I, I, I don't even know who you are. There's only two of us on the earth. And, and I, I don't, oh my God. I mean, can you seriously, she can't put a sentence together. Can you just get into her mind for a minute and see what it feels like to be betrayed? And so she puts on a mask of protection. I've got to protect myself. And you, you will never get inside of this again. 
see a whole new reason for the mask have entered the stage. It's hurt. Someone has hurt you. Sometimes people have really hurt you. Your parents said something to you when you were growing up. They didn't even catch it. They didn't really even realize. A coach said something. They didn't catch it. They didn't understand that that would scar your soul the way they did. Sometimes people have absolutely just hurt you. Can I tell you that the things that have just happened to you in life, sometimes they just hurt? Sometimes things just hurt. And you either are honest about the hurt, and you just, you just cry. Or you try to stop the tears, and you try to be strong. My dad died last year, and I had to speak at the funeral, and, and, it, and it was a tough situation for me, and you know, I've got to be strong, and and, and trying to interact with the other pastor and be a mature pastor. And after all, I mean, pastors, we know, you know, my dad was good with God, so I know he's going to heaven. And so I'm just trying to be strong, right? And so I never allowed myself to just be hurt. I never allowed myself to just go to my bedroom and cry my eyes out. Well, the problem with trying to manage that is you can't. And so when I got up to take the stage to try and do part of my dad's service, I was overwhelmed. And I cried my eyes out when I'm supposed to be talking. And so sometimes we're hurt. And sometimes it's just, it's just life. Sometimes it's because things just have to be. I mean, the reality of my dad is he, he couldn't live forever. None of us can. It's a reality. The reality is not when. It's just a matter of making sure we're in the right place with God because the day is going to come for all of us and for everyone we know. And it doesn't mean God's a bad guy. And then sometimes it's just a perceived hurt. Sometimes someone didn't actually hurt us, but we just see through lenses because we've been so hurt by someone else or our mask are so distorted. The final thing is that our mask end up being to the entire world. At this point, it's just identity and logic. And I say those two words. Here's what I mean. The identity is you've been wearing a mask with God for as long as you can remember. You've been wearing a mask with people for as long as you can remember. You don't know who you are anymore. So, obviously, you got to keep it up. And then when I say logic, this is real simple. Well, if God, who created me, and even though I don't want to admit it, knows the secrets of my heart, if I'm not going to let him in, and then I'm not going to let in my, my mom or my dad or my wife or my husband or my brother or my sister. If I'm not going to let them in, and who do you think you are? I mean, you're just my college roommate. You're just someone in my class. You're someone on my basketball team. You're a coworker. You definitely don't get in. It's just simple logic. If they don't get in the mask, you don't either. And it's the great masquerade. I want to end by helping us actually break the human condition. If you believe with me, which I do, that God is not just waiting on us to go to heaven, but he wants to fix things. He wants to restore things. He wants his, to be, his people to be back to what he created them to be. The reason we're doing this series called Masquerade is because I think he wants to end the great masquerade in the lives of his children. And so, the only thing I'm going to talk to you about today, you have to come back for the rest of the parts of the series but today is this very simple statement. Since all masks begin with God, removing the mask must begin with God. You can never be good with people until you're good with God. 
And I know some of you immediately just went, wait a minute. Some of you may not even believe. And some of you know people who don't believe. And they don't seem to be ridden by shame. True. In their eyes, they are good with God. Because they essentially don't believe he's there. So they don't think anything is right. They don't think anything is wrong. They don't think there's any meaning to life. Just live and die and who really cares? But they're not really good with God. And can I just tell you, don't envy them. Because they lack the very thing that will turn you back to eternal life. And I believe God will bring it into their life later. But, but don't go there right now. Don't say, but I, I know that guy and he seems to be really good. Can I just tell you, you're looking at a mask. You don't know the real him either. Nobody is good if they're not good with God. And so here's how we get to be good with God. You've got to be clean and you've got to be confident. And I want you to know that is not a work it is by taking a lie that you've believed until this moment and replacing it with a truth. And here is the truth. Hear me. God knows your guilt. God knows everything you've ever done. And he still loves you. Amen. That is the truth. That is the truth. The lie, the lie that we hear, the lie that we believe is God wants to strike me. God could never love me, and so you could never love me. I'm a horrible person. If you knew what I've done, if you knew who I was, you would, but God. Those are my two favorite words in the Bible. They're actually there in that way. But God. Because here's what the Bible says. While you were still sinners, he sent Jesus to die for you. Do you understand? I need you to understand this. How many of you have made a trade with somebody in your life? I'll give you my baseball card, you give me yours. I'll keep your kids, you keep mine. I don't care what it is. You've made a trade. I need you to understand, would you trade something valuable without the other end? Would you go to someone and say, I I'm going to give you something really valuable and then walk away? But that's what Jesus did. You see, we think it was a trade. You think you started it. By saying, Jesus, I'll believe in you when you die on the cross for me. But it doesn't work that way. It's backwards in history. Here's how it worked. While people who did not like God, you and I, while people were not doing what God wanted, while people were filled with guilt and had hidden it and now were covered with shame, and there was not one promise in your heart that you would ever follow Jesus, Jesus still died on the cross and said, this is for you. This is for you. This is why we saved communion to the end. Because this is what communion is about. Communion is representative of what Jesus did with his followers on the very last night. When he said, you guys aren't even going to know what I'm about to do, but this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. And my blood, it will be spilled for you. One of you is even a traitor and many, many will come after you that will be traitors. Some will hate me. But this is not a trade. This is because guilt is from my father to turn you back to me. And I'm going to open the door. You will never need to fear punishment. You will never need to fear judgment. Because all the judgment is going to be placed upon me when they nail me to that cross. While you were guilty, Jesus died for us. 
That's what the enemy doesn't want us to know. Here's the promise. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. You get that cleansing part? He is faithful to cleanse. He removes it. That's the guilt. You just look at God and say, God, you know what? I don't even know how long the list is. I mean, truthfully, if you think you can identify every sin in your life, you're just deceived. You don't even remember all of the things you've done wrong or said wrong or all the times you've had a bad attitude or whatever. You, you can't, don't, don't go there. They're all paid for. Just say, thank you, God. I can't go down the list and confess every one, but I confess this. I know, I know that I needed you to die for me. And I know that I've worn masks before you. I know that I've done things and I've just gone and tried not to think about you. And by the way, if, you, if you've tried to figure, do I wear a mask before God? When you do something and you say, I'm just not going to think about God right now, that's a mask. That's hiding. So your confession is not about reading a list. And this is why we do communion. We do it every week here at Grace Life because what it is for me, communion every single week is an opportunity for us to remove a mask. Say, God, I confess, I'm a fallen human and I need you. Right now, the ushers are gonna pass out to you guys a small cracker and a small cup of juice. And it represents the body and the blood of Jesus. If you will hold that, we're gonna take it together all at the end. Right now, just take a moment, talk to God. For those of you that have been believers for a long time, then just ask God to remove a mask that you've put on in the last week. And if this for you is a first, if today as I talked about Jesus on the cross, something happened in your heart, something came alive, your heart started beating faster, something happened that has never happened before, if today you acknowledge Jesus died for you in a way that you've never acknowledged before, then you get to take communion, sharing in Jesus' body for the first time as a believer. Just hold those. We'll take them together. If you would pray with me. God, we do thank you for guilt. And we thank you for the cross that removes it. We thank you that there is something in our souls that's internal that tells us when we are not right with you. And we thank you most of all that you made the way right, that you paid the price, that you did not leave us in a state condemned and guilty. We thank you that shame is not a part of your plan for us. And God, I pray over every single person in this room right now that the mask of self-protection and hiding that they've put before you based on lies from the enemy about who you are, I pray that those will be ripped off right now. And I pray that we will be clean and will be pure before you and we'll be able to look you in the face and say, God, I don't understand everything. I don't know everything but I trust you. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. 
That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.